0: The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We continue our college football preview with the ACC Conference. We're going to talk Major League Baseball and all that's going on there and some NFL news as well. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover.
1: Hey, good looking. what you got cooking, I'm
0: about cooking, something up me. Welcome in to an all new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by Righteous Felon Jerky, the purest jerky in the game. Go to RighteousFelon.com, use promo code BellyUp, you're going to get 15% off your purchase Welcome to tonight's show. I'm your host, Vince Stover, joined by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing?
1: Doing good. Doing good. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. As we're getting closer and closer to football season, that always brings all kinds of content up and then a lot going on in uh, even the NFL starting to kick up a little bit as well as the Green Bay Packers sign their future quarterback today. Uh, (laughs) We'll talk about that later. Uh, Stay tuned for that one. Um, but plenty of good things going on as well. We want to say hello and welcome to our live viewers on the sports stove, YouTube and the sports stove, Facebook pages. And of course, all those listening later? Thanks for tuning in to you, wherever you get your podcast, the sports stove podcast. Uh, dad, let's start off with some major league baseball news. Of course, we talk a lot of baseball on Sunday nights. If you don't tune into the sports stove, fantasy baseball show, we talk a ton of baseball, not just fantasy baseball, real baseball too. That being said, uh, the races continue to get interesting. The All-Star break has been good for some and negative for others. Uh, Let's start, though, with your, uh, not yours as in fandom, but where you live. Cincinnati Reds, they were hot coming into the All-Star break. Six-game losing streak. If only somebody would have told us it wasn't going to last. Oh, wait, (laughs) I did. Um, How are things feeling up there in Ohio, Southern Ohio right now?
1: Well, I, I think they're still optimistic because um, I, don't, I don't think they're going to fall apart. Um, they do have a losing streak, and right now they're playing my Giants, so I hope that continues even though they're ahead at this moment. But um, we'll, we'll see. I still think they can play well, and I'm afraid your Brewers really, you know they're, they're inconsistent. You just don't right. know. Um, so I don't know if they're going to run away from them at this point. And I don't know that any other team at this point is going to get in the mix. I'm not sure the Cubs are going to get high enough, um, you know, to push them there. And so um, I, I think it'll, it'll be a two-team race um, probably down to the final or at least, you know, the last couple of weeks. I believe it will be. We'll, we'll see. Like I said, people have been excited um you know, here in Southwest Ohio, for sure. Like I told you, I saw in a store T-shirt that said "The Big Red Machine" on it. So they are they they definitely have have been waiting a long time for optimism, and um, so they're jumping on it.
0: It's just too bad that optimism only lasted two weeks. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I just don't think. I know I come across as a homer, but I feel like I've been pretty consistent with my milwaukee takes i agree that milwaukee's inconsistent uh or consistently inconsistent if that's even a a thing uh but they've got the roster brandon woodruff is uh he's got his rehab assignment started up so he'll be back soon i think they make an addition at the trade deadline as well to bolster i my guess would be pitching um but i could be wrong on that i just think that roster wise They have clearly the best roster in the division. The division's bad. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Cincinnati, to me, we've seen the last of them. They're going to be entertaining still, but they're not going to be legit threats. Chicago, um, I think Chicago ends the year in second place in the division, but I don't think that says a whole lot. I mean, they're not going to be playoff contenders or even division contenders. By the way, St. Louis Cardinals on a five-game win streak right now. I told you, don't sleep on them. Uh, they, they're they still the team that scares me the most in the Central as a Brewers fan of St. Louis, even though they're nine and a half games back. Um, they just uh, – just be careful with them. And Pittsburgh has finally taken their place in last place in the Central Division after a season-long run uh, near the top. Uh, they have finally fallen to where we expected them to be at the beginning of the season, uh, needless to say um in the west dad the dodgers currently one game up on san francisco who's on a win streak of their own and arizona's two games back san Diego's still 10 back on that one uh i think the dodgers will be the biggest movers at the trade deadline in that division but san francisco and arizona they could be players at the trade deadline too uh when you look at that those three teams there how you feeling about the west
1: um, I, I think, again, I think it'll probably stay, you know, the Diamondbacks have kind of went on a skid a little bit, but I think they'll probably, um, stabilize. Um, I think, you know, with all the standings in baseball, we're going to have to wait till the smoke clears from the trade deadline, because that could change things um, in a lot of ways. Right now, though, the Giants are really staying in there. They're playing good. Uh, of course, the Dodgers, you know, or the Dodgers, they're a good team there. And um, Diamondbacks have played well, too. So I think it'll be a three-team race, um, depending on what happens at the trade deadline. Um, but i i would expect the giants to make some kind of move they have before the trade deadline they've tried to make moves this year a couple times so we will see i wouldn't be surprised uh, to see something there and again the diamondbacks that might make a big difference with them um also but you know the dodgers do have a history of doing well with these kind of things so um i i i think the west the west is definitely a good division it's not uh american league east but um it's it's been competitive and it seems to be really good baseball to watch
0: yeah, i mean it's tighter than the american league east the race is three three teams right there within two games of each other i think it's going to be entertaining i'm interested to see what happens with the trade deadline talked a little bit about that on sunday uh planning on talking more about it this coming sunday but uh i mean there's pitchers out there i've seen marcus stroman's name a lot i'm not a marcus stroman fan but He can improve Arizona. He could improve San Francisco. He can improve L.A. in their rotation as well. Other guys like Gialito from Chicago, Cease from Chicago. There's some other guys out there as well that could help the team out. In the National League East, uh, Miami's finally falling. I've been predicting this for a while, too. It took longer than I expected, though. Six-game losing streak. They're now third in the division. Philadelphia shows up. Uh, Now they are second in the division. We know Philadelphia is dangerous if they get things going. They've won four straight, seven out of their last three. They're losing as we're recording this uh, episode, but uh, Philadelphia started to look better. Atlanta's still the team to beat, but they are on a three-game losing streak. Um, I think Atlanta wins the division easily, but I think Philadelphia makes the playoffs there in the East. Uh, in the AL West, you got Texas four and a half up on Houston. They've held their own all year long. They score all kinds of runs. They still have a plus 166 run differential. Six game winning streak sure helps as well. Minnesota is uh, two games up on Cleveland, but I still think Cleveland wins that division. And then uh, as we sit, according to this episode, Tampa Bay and Baltimore tied amongst the top of the American League East, Baltimore has played four less games than uh, Tampa to this point, Uh, but nonetheless, there they sit. Toronto started to catch up as well at five games back. But Tampa on a four-game losing streak, Dad, the All-Star break didn't seem to help them out a whole lot.
1: No, no, it didn't. And like I said, the the Orioles have really kept playing um, good ball. They've lost the Dodgers now. They've lost a couple, but they won today. And um, I, the Orioles are just very, you know, very consistent. They've got young players. They've got a lot of players that contribute. And, um, you know, it's been good for fantasy baseball. There's been a lot of Baltimore sure. guys are on a lot of teams, that's for sure. So I, I think that race will come down and be very interesting between, you know, three, maybe even four teams, but probably three teams. Um, uh, I, yeah, I think the end of the baseball season is going to be real interesting. I don't think it'll be as cut and dried as early as it has been.
0: As of this moment, the Yankees are last in the division. Um, I've been saying now for a couple of weeks, I think Toronto wins the division. Uh, Tampa will figure things out and level out again. They make the playoffs. I'm pretty sure, but they've had a rough stretch, no doubt. Um, and other than the Yankees, the roughest stretch since the all-star break, but still this division has, uh, let's see here. Everyone has a positive run differential, which isn't a huge necessarily deal, but everyone above 500. Uh, the last place Yankees would lead the AL Central would lead the NL Central, I believe, um, or close to it. I guess they wouldn't lead it, but close to it, um, and they'd be in the race in pretty much every division. So uh, you got to watch out for them still. But I think uh, I think we're going to see that race thin out a little bit over the next couple of weeks. And the Yankees, they again, the Yankees don't have pitchers. They're really struggling with their pitchers. And that's it's just not going to work. So will they add him at the trade deadline this year? Will they wait till the offseason? Will they make a run at Otani? All those kinds of things are the questions. Now, I have made an effort not to talk about Shohei Otani on this show or any of my shows in regards to trades until something actually happens. Because everyone has rumors about where he's going to go and what's going to happen. But nobody knows. So I'm, I'm forgoing the Otani conversation. I've said already, I think the angels should keep them. I think they will do everything in their power to keep them. Um, and so until we actually get a real report of any kind, uh, we're going to avoid the Otani talk because we've got other things to discuss. Needless to say. All right. Anything else? Oh, I was going to ask you dad, uh, on baseball, we've eliminated, we did this a couple episodes ago, maybe last episode. Uh, we eliminated the bottom feeders: KC, Oakland, Washington, and Colorado, and those are the only four teams we officially eliminated. Uh, and i'll I'll take the uh, i'll make the final decision on this. But give me one team other than those bottom feeders: KC, Oakland, Washington, Colorado. Give me one team you're confident is done for the year uh, that we can write off as well.
1: Um, do you have the White Sox in that group?
0: They were not in that group.
1: I would think they're, I don't think they're going to be a, a factor.
0: All right. So I'm not going to disagree with you necessarily, but I'm not going to cross them off the list yet because they're in the AL Central. It's probably safe still, uh, but the Central's, neither Central Division is good. I'm going to go with the Pirates, though, Dad. I'm going to officially knock them off the list, write them down, cross them off, uh, be done with them. And uh, we'll we'll continue to eliminate a team at least each week. And uh, so we've got Colorado, Washington, Oakland, Kansas City, and now Pittsburgh officially eliminated, uh, according to the Sports Stove podcast, from Major League Baseball playoff chances. All right, uh, let's get on to some college football talk. We started our preview last week with the Big 12. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, if you missed that, make sure you go back and take a listen as well. Today, we are getting to the ACC and uh, excited about what is ahead here as we continue our college football preview. So let's get into the ACC and discuss. uh, Well, again, we'll go uh, alphabetical order in here. I I actually put Notre Dame in here, but I guess I shouldn't have. They're They're not part of the ACC. Uh, but I have some of that maybe at the end, we'll talk a little bit about Notre Dame as well. Um, but anyways, let's get into it with Boston college dad, Boston college head coach, Jeff Halfley quarterback Emmett Moorhead is back. Uh, the defense should be improved in Boston college, but not sure the offense is going to do a whole lot, uh, down quarterback from, uh, from what they've had in the past. There's just different things that have happened that offensively doesn't look like Boston college is really going to keep up with the rest of the division fully. But I don't think they're going to be horrible. Their win total is set at five and a half. I'm willing to go over that. I am willing to say six games. Uh, But needless to say, I don't think Boston College is going to make a whole lot of noise in the ACC this year how do you feel about boston college
1: um i'd agree with yeah i'll go over i think they can win maybe six games maybe they're headed a little bit in the right direction but um again i i, I don't think they're going to make any noise this year so i would kind of agree where you're at on that
0: uh let's move on to clemson then uh i don't think there's a whole lot more to talk about boston college uh clemson head coach Debo sweeney i'm a Debo sweeney fan i understand why some people are annoyed by them and whatnot, but overall I would put myself on the side of positive. I'm pro Dabo Sweeney. How how do you feel about Dabo Sweeney?
1: Uh, I like him. I have, I think he's a good coach. I think there's a lot of things about him. That's um, good for college football. And um, I, you know, I I think he's, you know, a good football coach, but I think he's a good person. And, um, yes, you know, I I went to college not at Clemson, but I went down in that area, was down in that area in South Carolina, and um, so was around Clemson there a little bit. Never did get to go to a game. I went by Death Valley one time and saw it. But um, always kind of like Clemson, but, yeah, definitely like Dabo Sweeney.
0: My co-host on Sunday nights is a Clemson fan, Kevin Wilson. So he's big on Clemson this year. Quarterback Kade Klubnik uh, is returning. He didn't start all last year. Uh, DJ was the starter, but uh, Cade came in and proved he could play. Wins the job coming into this year. They also changed offensive coordinators this year, which should boost their passing game. Uh, That's the hope, at least, uh, that things get better there. They do return all five offensive linemen. They do return their superstar, Will Shipley, at running back as well. The secondary is the biggest question on this team on defense. The front seven should be fine. Secondary is just unproven, and i uh, will see how things shake out with there. Uh, they got the highest win total in the conference at 10. Of course, Clemson has been a uh, proverbial uh, leader in the ACC for pretty much the last decade. Not every year in that span, but for most of it. Uh, do you expect uh, Clemson to go over or under 10?
1: I think they'll go over again. I think they'll definitely rebound this year and be a, a, a power, definitely the juggernaut there in the ACC. And um, just looking at their schedule and everything, I, I think they could go over 10, um, potentially win 11, or you know, at least right at 10.
0: Yeah, I'm going over 10 also. I'm a believer in Clemson. I think they've got the right quarterback. I think I like the changes they made offensively uh, with the offensive coordinator and having that returning five, front five, plus Will Shipley back. They're always going to have talent, but uh, I think Dabo Sweeney's got what he needs to return to the top this year. Uh, Let's go uh, to Duke now. Uh, The Blue Devils head coach, Mike Elko. Quarterback Riley Leonard comes back. They were 9-4 and last year. The offense is pretty solid. Uh, the defensive line had 26 sacks, and they returned that defensive line that had 26 sacks. So they should be able to get to the quarterback. They should be able to make some noise. Uh, they've got a win total set at six after a nine-win year last year. How are you feeling about Duke?
1: Yeah, well, I think as far as the win total, I think, yeah, you're looking at going over without a doubt. I'm a little surprised it's as low as it is on the win total there. Um, but Duke seems to be, you know, um, heading in the right direction. be a, a com- very competitive team there in the ACC. And um, I think, you know, they'll only continue to improve a little bit this year. Returning a defensive line like that, and, um, you know, that, that's got to be in the right direction.
0: I really like what Duke is doing. Uh, I go easily over uh, six with Duke. I think they could hit that nine-win mark again this year, possibly. I think they're kind of that dark horse team in the division. And uh, so I like Duke a lot as well. I go over. They're headed the right direction. At least it seems that way. A team that everyone thinks is headed the right direction as well is Florida State under head coach Mike Norvell. Quarterback Jordan Travis is uh, that kind of quarterback that gets the hype. uh, Can he fulfill it? They do have a legit offense. They return nine starters on their defense, including a guy who was projected to be a top 10 draft pick this past year and Jared verse, uh, but he decided to come back to school. So he is back as well. Nine and a half games for Florida state. It's been a while since Florida state was a contender. How do you feel about them?
1: Um, well, again, it's it's good to see them be back. Um, I'd like to see them go over nine and a half. I don't know. Nine might be more realistic. They got two big games early that are going to be a key. They've got LSU and then uh, Clemson early. Um, so as long as they can rebound from that, um, they might can win the rest of the games. So um, I can go over nine and a half. But again, it's going to be... Um, like I said, they have they have those couple, couple tough games early in the schedule.
0: I feel like everything is set up for Florida State to fail this year. And by fail, I mean eight wins. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to be like – I don't think they're going to miss bowl eligibility or anything like that. But I think they're under nine and a half, uh, eight or nine wins is kind of where I see them at. Again, I think the hype is there, and that always scares me, especially a team that hasn't recently earned that hype. I think of – you know, I live here in Kentucky – Kentucky had a great year one year and then all of a sudden it was oh yeah they're going to win the SEC and that was continued on even through the Will Levis year so you know now we're done with that nonsense they did they didn't earn the hype yet so with that I'm saying they're going under nine and a half uh there and you know I kind of I was a uh Florida State was my second team growing up I was always a Tennessee fan but uh Charlie Ward and uh, you know, that, that, those were the fun days, uh, the, those days of Florida state. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, coach Bowden was, I thought really cool, but they're not there yet. They might be getting there. I just don't think this is the year nine and a half. I go under Florida state, uh, Georgia tech, uh, head coach Brent key. They bring in a transfer quarterback from Texas A&M Haynes King. They've got a lot of questions on this team and not a whole lot of answers just yet. To me, this is a building project. Uh, I'm not sure that this year is the year of any excitement for Georgia Tech. Their win total is a four and a half. Dad, I'm going under uh, that win total. I don't think they're far away from being respectable, but I don't think this is the year.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think you have to go under when you look at the other teams in the conference. There's several middle of the pack teams, and Georgia Tech, you know, just I don't think ranks up there with them. Um, You know, I've always kind of liked Georgia Tech. There's been some great players come out of there. Um, But, um, yeah, it looks like this year's going to be a tough year.
0: Uh, You know, one of the things that's really tough is being a Louisville fan. I wouldn't know exactly how that feels, but uh, Louisville in the ACC, they got a new head coach, Jeff Brom, comes in. They got a new quarterback coming from Cal. He's been a couple places, Jack Plummer. Uh, First year with a new coach, first year in a new system. They do have an easier schedule, which should help them out a little bit. But at the end of the day, Dad, it's still Louisville. Uh, eight wins is what their win total is. How do you feel about them? Because honestly, I'm not feeling good about them.
1: No, I I, I like Jeff Brom. So, and again, you know, he's going back there to where, you know, he played at. Um, so, yeah, I'm not necessarily a Louisville fan, but um, I do like Brom. And again, when you look at some of the other teams in the conference, I think they can have success this year. Um, so I'll go either even or over. I'll go over eight um, just because he's based on the other teams in the conference. And I think he'll bring a lot of energy and, um, and coaching to help there.
0: Man, to me, this is an easy under. Again, I think Jeff Brom can build it back up. I think he can make uh, them good again. Uh, I just, I think they're under eight. I looked at their schedule, dad. I I don't see eight wins, uh, for Louisville this year. And some people, man, I've seen them even over eight several times. I just don't see it. I'm going under eight, uh, with Louisville. But again, I think within a couple of years, uh, Jeff Brom has a chance to, to make things happen there. Uh, let's go down to the U Miami, Mario Cristobal back at uh, head coach quarterback, the returning ACC Rookie of the Year, Tyler Van Dyke, they bring in the Houston OC, so that should kick things up offensively. Uh, the offense, though, is a little unknown outside of Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, There's going to have to have new guys step up and produce, but the defense returns a whole lot of guys. Miami was uh, underachievers last year with a lot of hype. That's kind of what I talked about Florida State, all that hype, and they didn't live up to it. Um, now I don't feel like there's near as much hype on Miami, which might help them out There's at seven and a half games. I'm going to go over seven and a half for Miami. How do you sit with Miami? Um,
1: I'll go under seven and a half again. I think we're just where they're at with a bunch of teams. I think they've, um, they did underachieve. They may have improved somewhat, but, um, I think when you look at the other teams and I have to pick, you know, who I think is going to get wins here and there. I'm going to go under seven and a half, probably seven wins. They'll make a bowl, but, um, but you will see, they definitely need to improve on last year. Uh,
0: I think, you know, what I'm looking for here. So I'm going to ask you this question. Who are the two most important people on a college football team?
1: Um, it would be the coach and the quarterback.
0: You got it. Uh, coach and the quarterback, Mario Cristobal had success in Oregon. He did not win national championship, but he had success in Oregon. And Tyler Van Dyke is a legit quarterback. Uh, this This conference, it's got good teams. It's got okay teams. But this conference is one that you can succeed in right now. You've got other quarterbacks uh, like Cade Klubnick from Clemson. You've got Drake May at North Carolina. Brennan Armstrong at NC State. Sam Hartman. Uh, well, I'm sorry, he's at Notre Dame. Uh, Phil Jerkovic at uh, Pitt. I mean, you got guys here, good quarterbacks in the conference, but Tyler Van Dyke is a guy that I think can be a superstar. And I think with him and Cristobal matched together, I think it's potential they start to lift Miami. Maybe not the national championship contenders, but I think they're starting to climb back up to be respectable in the division.
1: But Chris Cristobal was a coach last year, right?
0: He was there. Last, yeah, his first year last year,
1: and he got out coached by Rick Stockstill. <laughs> So yeah. um, I think he's still, you know, we'll, well see how goes. Why are you busting on Stockstill? still? He's a good coach. He's a great coach, but <laughs> I mean, nobody expected MTSU to go down there and handle them like they did. So yeah, um, just because
0: it's not expected doesn't mean they're right, right? <laughs> I can't believe you bust on Stockstill still like that. Um, <laughs> I did not. Man, Crystal Ball got out coached by the lousy Stockstill. still. I I I can't believe you said that. Um,
1: <laughs> no, I can't believe that guy didn't either cause I didn't, but anyway.
0: <laughs> excuse me, let's go to North Carolina. I got the hiccups, uh, North Carolina, Mack Brown, legendary coach, uh, has been doing some pretty good things at North Carolina quarterback. Drake may is, you know, the top of the class at the end of the day. I mean, he's projected to be one of the top two quarterbacks in the draft, but listen, these guys lost a lot of offensive production. The O-line is back, but they allowed 40 sacks last year, so is that a good thing? The defense finished 86th in the nation in rushing yards allowed. There needs to be improvement in North Carolina, Dad, and just because you have Drake May, I the coaching quarterback are important, but you're going to have to have more than that. Eight and a half is the win total set at North Carolina. Everybody goes, well, they got Drake May, so they're going to be great. I'm going to go under eight and a half, Dad. I don't believe in these Tar Heels.
1: No, I'll go under eight and a half also. Um, I may be a little prejudiced because I'm just not a big North Carolina fan, but um, looking at it, I, I don't see them going over eight and a half. Uh, they may be a little bit of an issue of power in the conference, but I'm not sure of that either. They may they may be surprised and underachieve.
0: I agree. Uh, In-state, I guess you call them rivals. NC State is up next. Dave Dorian. Still there at uh, as head coach. They bring in the Virginia quarterback, Brendan Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong had high expectations last year. I uh, couldn't fulfill them at Virginia. But he comes down to NC State. Well, listen, they've got a defense. Maybe the best defense. Probably the second best defense in the conference behind Clemson. Uh, but they've got a really, really good defense. At least they should be. But they've got hard games. The good thing for NC State is their hardest games, are at home, they get to host the toughest opponents this year. So maybe that helps them sneak one of those out. NC State has a win total set at seven. How do you feel about the Wolf Pack?
1: Um, I'll go over on the Wolf Pack. Like you said, they've got games at home, and I think they'll sneak at least one out. Or that you know maybe people don't think they'll win. And uh, NC State's kind of turned things around in the last few years. And um, I like them, and I think we'll go... We'll, we'll go over seven with them.
0: I go over as well. Probably not by a ton, uh, but I'll go over. I like Brendan Armstrong. If he stays healthy, I think there's a lot of good things that can come from that. Uh, how about Pitt? Pat Narduzzi uh, there at Pitt. He's gone through a lot of transition with players transferring out, having great players like Kenny Pickett, and then uh, and then losing their best receiver after Kenny Pickett graduates. Well, they bring in a uh, Boston College quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, uh, offense should be productive for Pitt this year. The defense is, uh, supposedly reloaded. Now I, I will admit, I don't, I don't follow Pitt football a whole lot. Uh, of course they lost a great defensive lineman to the draft this year. Uh, but everything that I read says the defense has been restocked. Uh, Pitt's one of those teams I always look at and probably always just assume they're not going to be that good, uh, but they got a win total at seven. I'm, I'm willing to go over seven for Pitt, uh, and see, cause again, quarterbacks, the situation Jerkovic being there should be good. Um, I, I, I go over seven for Pitt.
1: Yes. I'll go over seven too. I kind of look at them the opposite of you. When I hear Pitt, I always think of teams that have been competitive, a lot of great players there. And I don't think whenever you play Pitt, you ever look, you have to, you can't look past them um and again seven may be about right but i'll go over on that
0: well if you want a team to look past that's the next one syracuse um and they've improved of course dino bavers has done a good job uh they garrett schrader's the quarterback they lost a lot on offense uh which when you say that about syracuse that should be scary secondary is good the front seven's the question at syracuse a lot of teams have secondary questions where the front seven's good but opposite for syracuse Again, I think they're a a team that has been on the rise, but they may have lost too much this year. Six and a half is the win total. I'm going under for Syracuse. I think the competition, the middle of the road ACC competition has gotten better. I think Syracuse drops under six and a half this year.
1: Yes, I'd go with that too. I think they'll be under six and a half. I think with the teams that I picked uh, to go over their totals, then they're going to have to beat people, and I think Syracuse will be one of those.
0: Uh, Virginia, second year head coach, Tony Elliott. Uh, of course he was the OC at Clemson. Uh, they bring in a quarterback from Monmouth. Tony Musket, uh, is the QB. Uh, you know, you want to, when you hear transfer QBs, you'd like to hear a little bigger names than a D2 school at Monmouth, but that's who they got. They lost their quarterback to the transfer. He went to NC state. Uh, they lost four wide receivers. They lost most of their offensive line. The defense had some bright spots. They've got to improve their pass rush. You look at all they lost, and your first thought would be they probably go down. How do you feel about Virginia? Um, I mean three and a half, by the way. Sorry, three and a half is the win total.
1: Yeah, all the rankings have them down. I, I can't believe they'd be as bad as three and a half, so I'll go over, but I don't think they'll win any more, you know, probably than four. Uh, looks like, you know, the, the coach there again from Clemson is a good guy, but it looks like he's got a ways to go to get them back on track.
0: So I'm going to say the opposite, Dad. I think actually they're the surprise team this year. Now, they're not going to win the, the division or the conference, uh, but I think they might even hit six wins this year. I I go over three and a half. I think Tony Elliott, he's going to have to do it different than the way they did it at Clemson. Uh, but I think he's going to find those guys, give them a year or two, and let him develop some guys. I think you're going to see good things out of it. And from a guy who watches FCS quarterbacks on a weekly basis, uh, you get a kid in here who's a D2 kid in Tony Musket. Uh, I don't know anything about Tony Musket, so I'm not pretending to be an expert on him. But there are really good quarterbacks at um, at below FBS levels, and if Tony Elliott found this guy, I believe Tony Elliott knows what he's looking for. So I think you give him a full year to go out and build his system. I like what they're doing. I think I think he's going to build it up, and this year surprise some people. So I think he's at five or six wins. Um, uh, let's see here, Virginia Tech. They got a new uh, coach, Brent Pry, comes over from Penn State. Quarterback is Grant Wells. They lost a lot on offense uh, due to transfers, uh, but they've, all, they've also added transfers. The uh, The O-line is the same, which can be good sometimes, that continuity. They also return a lot on defense. Brent Price supposed to be a defensive guy. Virginia Tech's win total is at 5.5. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and going over, but I'll be completely honest. Of all the teams in the ACC, Virginia Tech might leave me scratching my head the most. I really don't know what they're going to do.
1: Yeah, I'll go under five and a half. Again, they're a team I kind of always like. I always like to pick them sometimes, underdogs against teams. But um, just, you know, reading about them and everything, I think, again, when you look at the teams we've talked about already in the middle of the pack, um, if they're going to be, you know, um, seven, eight wins or whatever, then somebody's going to get beat in the conference. And I think this might be a little bit of a rebuilding year for Virginia Tech.
0: That brings us to Wake Forest. Uh, Dave Claussen, the head coach, quarterback Mitch Griffiths. Uh, of course, they lost Sam Hartman, uh, who is a phenomenal quarterback. He went to Notre Dame. Uh, last year, Wake was eight and five. They had stre- They have had seven straight winning seasons. The offense, though, could be an issue. They lost a lot. Uh, the defense—they—they they really need to be very, very good for Wake to have success. And Wake Forest has an incredibly tough schedule this year. Their win totals at six and a half. How do you feel about them?
1: Um, again, you know they've been a kind of a surprise team the last couple of years and have done better. Um, I'll go over six and a half. I probably don't have good reason to think that. Um, but um, I'll go over and think they'll be in the middle of the pack there and they'll get in the bowl.
0: I have over written down on my paper, and I, I don't remember why. <laughs> so I'll leave it there. Well, so I'll say over as well. I, I mean, eight and five last year, seven straight winning seasons. I They got to get to seven wins, right? Uh, so I, I, I'll go over, mainly because I already wrote it down I don't want to erase it, so uh, so I'll stay with over on Wake Forest and uh, and go from there. Um, I did t- put out a poll this week, Dad, on the ACC asking our listeners or Twitter followers um, uh, who they thought would win the ACC. I gave them three options, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina. Then I gave the fourth option as other. Uh, the Twitter poll ended very lopsidedly. Clemson, 75% of the voters. Florida State got 25% of the voters. North Carolina and other got 0% of the votes. So Clemson, the heavy favorite here. That brings us to our tiers. We have four tiers that we break teams into. The first one is national championship contender. The second one is conference uh, championship contender. Then we've got the uh, a little bit of hope section. And then our final uh, uh, tier is the Vanderbilt tier, meaning no hope at all. All hope is lost. Nothing happening in the near future, uh, as well. So let's start with our national championship tier dad. I have one team in this tier and that is the Clemson Tigers. How about you?
1: Uh, yes, I, I have Clemson would be the team and I think they will contend for the national title. So I think they will be in the hunt.
0: I'm a hundred percent with you. I think they're a playoff team. I think they're legit national contenders. Again, they've been there, they've done that. Um, they've had a couple of years that haven't been as good. They lost a lot of staff, uh, you know, over the last couple of years too. So losing Brent Venables to Oklahoma, Tony Elliott uh, to Virginia. Now they bring in new OC. So I mean, there's things happening. I think I think they get back on track this year. Uh, conference championship tier, tier number two. How many teams do you have in this tier?
1: Um beside Clemson I just have one other one I think there's a team that's got a chance so
0: okay who's that
1: Florida state
0: okay I have Florida state there also I've got another team dad and I bet if I gave you three guesses you wouldn't guess this one uh so i've got I've got Florida state in this tier and the other team i have is the one and only Duke blue Devils I think Duke is on the rise, massively on the rise, and I think this could be a year they could actually surprise people and contend for the conference. I I, I kind of considered Miami. I considered North Carolina here, uh, but I just I don't think those teams are quite there. I think North Carolina is going to underachieve this year. Uh, needless to say, I left them out of this tier, although – I mean, you probably put them there, and I wouldn't argue with you if you put Miami and North Carolina here also. Um, but, Dad, I think Duke is your dark horse of the year in the ACC, and they could be pushing eight, nine wins and uh, maybe sneak sneak past one of these other top teams, beating them, and then uh, and having themselves sitting pretty there at the end. Any thoughts on my Duke take?
1: Um, well, I actually, when we talked about them, you were very positive. I don't think Again, I think Clemson is the team in the ACC. So I don't know mm-hmm. if Duke is going to really challenge them. Uh, maybe they'll finish second, but Duke, you know, easily could be the, the third best team there. Um, so we, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's interesting. We're talking about Duke football uh, on the rise, but it looks like it is. So
0: yeah, yeah, wild for sure. Uh, then we'll drop down to tier number four, the Vanderbilt tier, the, there is no hope tier. Um, last week you didn't have anybody in this tier in the big 12. Do you have anybody in this tier for the ACC?
1: Um, as far as, you know, this year, uh, and really no hope. Yeah. I've got two teams, um, in the Vanderbilt tier.
0: Okay. Who you got?
1: Um, it'll be the techs, Georgia tech and Virginia tech.
0: Interesting. Okay. So I don't have anybody in this tier, uh, this, this (laughs) conference in the ACC, uh, Georgia tech, I don't think they're going to be good this year. Uh, but I, I just see them turning things around, beginning that, that step forward. Um, so I didn't put them in this tier. I think that they could be last in the division, but even so I don't, I don't see them as a no hope team. Uh, Virginia tech. I, again, like I said before, I just have questions. I, I don't know anything about this Virginia tech team. Uh, I know very little about the coach Brent pride. I, I, I know about Grant Wells, the quarterback. I just, I have so many questions about Virginia, Virginia tech. I wasn't willing to put them, put them in this tier as well. Um, so, uh, interesting, very, very interesting. Uh, we both got Clemson winning the ACC, and we both have Clemson contending uh, for the playoffs and national championship this year, too. Uh, so you're welcome, Clemson. Um, <laughs> and, and you're welcome, Kevin Wilson, who said, please be nice to Clemson. Uh, and we were very nice to Clemson uh, here this evening. So that's the ACC. Again, last week we looked at the Big 12. If you missed that, make sure you go back and take a listen. Uh, anything else you want to add about the ACC before we move on?
1: Well, it's interesting looking at this conference because we've talked about this may be the conference that will really be in trouble as teams, as other conferences expand. Um, I heard this week where the SEC definitely is talking about um, still expanding and moving. And if the SEC adds teams, you would have to think they're going to come from the ACC, at least one or two of them. And you take the top couple teams out of here, that could really change this conference quite a bit. And so I think in the next year or two, it'd be interesting to see what the ACC looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah, realignment can play a big factor in this. Uh, Real quick, because I do have the information on Notre Dame on here. Uh, Notre Dame head Coach Marcus Freeman, second year. They steal Wake Forest's quarterback, Sam Hartman. They've got a dynamic running back. They always have a strong offensive line. The defense looks strong, but there's a lot of new play, new uh, faces there as well. Uh, Notre Dame's win total data is at nine this year. I'm going to go under nine on Notre Dame, but I think that's close. I think it's probably right, but uh, eight or nine wins is kind of where I see them at. Any thoughts on Notre Dame? I know I didn't tell you beforehand we were going to bring up Notre Dame.
1: Right. I would agree, though. Eight or nine wins is probably where they're at. Um, I don't know what they're going to ch- try. I think there's going to be a lot of really good teams this year, so I don't know what they'll be able to challenge, you know, uh, to get in the tournament for the national championship. But uh, eight or nine wins are probably right where they'll be.
0: All right. Uh, let's move on to the NFL, Dad. A couple things I want to hit on before we wrap up tonight. Uh, first of all, the NFL running backs – are seeming to come together here uh, with concern about the pay for running backs and uh, Mike Miller on uh, NFL draft guy on, on Twitter put out this thing about the cycle of running backs. You go out and draft them, you you get them on that cheap contract, you work them till they're done and then you go draft somebody else. Um, We're seeing Saquon Barkley didn't get what he wanted. Uh, We're seeing Delvin Cook sit out there in free agency. Um, and now other running backs have spoken up as well. I don't know, dad. It's hard to say. I mean, running backs, you're never going to pay them what they're worth, uh, at the peak of their career because they're on rookie contracts. Um, so should they change the way they pay running backs in the rookie on the rookie contract? Should teams be willing to give them more, even though they may not be worth it after that? Um, how do you feel about running backs in their contract situation?
1: Well, I, I heard someone on the radio make a suggestion that made a lot of sense. That said that, that uh, they ought to change the scale um, for quarter for, for running backs and have them do a three year contract instead of a five year contract, and then they could go on, um, you know, and get an increase after that. And that might be a way to do it. But otherwise, the running backs just aren't going to get paid what everybody else does.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think running backs are important, and I know people have been able to find them different places. But, I mean, we're Packer fans. Aaron Jones, we really like Aaron Jones, think he's great. I'd hate for the Packers to have let him go, and they might still do it next year, but let him go, and and as opposed to paying him, I'd love to get two, two, three more years out of Aaron Jones. And uh, so go ahead and pay him now and go from there, you know, is the way that I look at it, at least. Um, I think I think running backs are getting smarter, Um, I think they're finding out ways to not be beat up as bad. Most teams don't use the running back. Like the Titans use Derrick Henry, where they're running them 30 to 36 times a game. That's just not the way you're seeing it done anymore. So I think, uh, I think the value is going to go up for running backs in the next couple of years, but they're going to have to figure something else or else all these running backs are just going to say, you know what? It's not worth it. And then you're going to be stuck without running backs, uh, to some degree as well. Um, Deandre Hopkins signs with the Tennessee Titans. This one, I mean, I know that it had been out there. I knew he had visited them. It's just, just not the fit I was expecting. So dad, I'll let you talk first. Cause I've got some thoughts on D hop to Tennessee. Um, uh, do you like the signing for Tennessee? Do you like it for D hop? Do you not like it at all? H- how are you feeling about it?
1: Well, I, I think it has potential to be good for the Titans. Again, you just don't know how good he's going to be. If 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 he comes back and he is anywhere close to what his potential was, then it's a great, great addition for whoever got him. And in this case, the Titans did. I don't know that it's what the Titans needed. Um, again, like you said, I'm not sure it's a great fit for him because of the quarterback situation. Um, so a a little surprised that he went there, but I'm sure it's created excitement there in, in, in Tennessee.
0: I think about Julio Jones in Tennessee did absolutely nothing. Um, I look at D hop, Deandre Hopkins at one time was the best receiver in the league. He's been injured. Um, he, he was trying to come back from injury and got popped for PDs. I'm not sure that DeAndre Hopkins is the number one receiver or even a number one receiver anymore. I'm not sure he gives the Titans what they need. Now, Tannehill is Tannehill. I think I've been clear enough on him uh, in our in our past episodes. I don't think Tannehill is horrible by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not elite. He's not a number one uh, for, I don't think he's a top 20 quarterback in the league. Um, and, and I think you need to be a top 20 quarterback in the league at this point in stage, especially in that division where you got Trevor Lawrence coming up. You got Bryce young, who just got drafted. Um, who else am I forgetting? Um, not Bryce young. Sorry. Who got drafted in Texas uh, Houston?
1: Um, uh, the kid from uh, Ohio state.
0: Yeah. C.J. Stroud, uh, is there Indianapolis went out and drafted a guy also. So, I mean, I think I don't think Tannehill's the answer in Tennessee. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins actually helps this team. And from what you know, the people that I listen to seem to know what they're talking about. And the deal is is he can still catch the football, but he doesn't have that elite breakaway, that ability to separate those kinds of things. And if you can't separate and you're gonna be playing for with well Will Levis, uh I mean, it's just not gonna work out. Sadly. I was really hoping Hopkins would go. I thought there was a lot better fits for him. I thought places like Baltimore, honestly, Green Bay, I thought would have been a, a good fit. Um, I, I think anywhere you got a quarterback, D-Hop could still be a factor. I'm not sure Tennessee's that place. I don't think it's good for Tennessee. Uh, I don't think it's good for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think it's good for Ryan Tannehill or Will Levis. I don't like the move to Tennessee and I think there was, there was probably a lot better options for Hopkins than now I could be wrong and he could come out and light it on fire. And if he is the DeAndre Hopkins of five years ago, well then sure, everything's going to be fine. Kyler Murray told us when in doubt, you just throw it up and D hop will go get it. So, um, you know, so, but I don't think he's that guy anymore anyhow. So I don't like the move. I don't think it's going to work out positively for anybody involved uh, there as well, and just for the record, fantasy football wise, I'm staying clear of everybody in Tennessee outside of uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, I'd sign me up for the anti-Tennessee club because that's where I sit with the Tennessee Titans, minus, of course, uh, T.K. McClendon and Matthew Jackson on the defensive side of the ball. E.K.U. guys, um, I love you guys, and I'm rooting for you, uh, but I don't think your team's going to do good. Okay um anything else Dan, that you want to add before we wrap up tonight
1: um no like I said camps you know we're starting up um which is exciting the nfl uh there and like you, you talked at the start of the show the packers made an interesting move today uh picking up a quarterback there and um uh, so um, it'd be real interesting to see all the camps, but especially, you know, we're very interested in the Packer camp because there's just a lot of questions and they won't be answered in the first two weeks of training camp. Um, but I'll be interested to get the information.
0: Um, yeah, the Packers signed the XFL MVP. and I feel really embarrassed. I don't know how to say his last name. Alex Mago or Alex McGuff or Alex McGough. I'm not sure how you say his last name. I feel really bad about that. I saw saw it pronounced Magoo. 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 Oh, boy, that's interesting. Magoo.
1: Magoo, Alex Magoo.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Uh, XFL uh, MVP from the Birmingham Stallions signs with Green Bay. More importantly, Luke Musgrave, the uh, tight end draft pick, signed as well. Uh, second rounder. But uh, needless to say, things are starting to turn up a little bit in the uh, football world. Excited to see where it all shakes out uh, there as well. All right. Uh, Listen, go visit righteousfelon.com. Get yourself some jerky, At checkout, use the code belly up, get 15% off your purchase. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. And if you want on threads, we're on there. Not a whole lot going on. Uh, but it's all the same the same name, at Sports Stove. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, we'll be live. Myself and Ryan Jackson will be live to break down and preview the EKU defense backs. We're talking with cornerback coach uh, Chris Franklin, safeties coach Mike Dietzel, and uh, safety Mike Smith Jr., who will be his second year at EKU, came in from App State. Um, and Mike Dietzel, by the way, I've only interviewed him one other time. A phenomenal interview, has a, a massive uh, history in the game. Uh, a lot of fun to listen to as well. Chris Franklin's always a good conversation too. Um, so those guys will be on tomorrow. You can listen to that. Every Thursday, the plan is local hour, me, Ryan Jackson, who is defensive lineman for EKU. Um, he was at the, uh, what do they call it now? The United Athletic Conference. It's the ASUN, but the United Athletic Conference media day last week. So he's going to talk about that and, and talk about some things that went on there. Uh, and then we'll interview those guys and and preview the defensive backs. If you like football, it really is a fun, fun episode. Even if you don't follow EKU, uh, I always feel like there's some good stuff in there from the coaches and from the players, too. So you can tune in there also. Sunday night, we'll be live at 8 o'clock for the Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show. Make sure you tune into that as well. All right. Uh, that's it for tonight's show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.